Next on Contemplate. You have hope only because God loved you more than his own rights. You have hope only because God loved you more than his own rights. We are so concerned with our rights that often we miss the truth and the opportunity to live like Jesus. Here's Pastor David with a very important and timely lesson. We've been in a series called Right Side Up. We've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This is Jesus Christ teaching us what it looks like to live a kingdom life. It's, it's Jesus differentiating the life that the world would have you live, the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom. Showing us that the culture of the world is upside down while the culture of the kingdom is right side up. And that a kingdom person, that a kingdom child, a child of God, is going to live life in a way that looks very different from someone who is not part of the kingdom. And so he's showing us how that works. So let's study the next scripture in this passage. This is, we're going to go, we're going to finish, uh, Lord willing, chapter 5 of Matthew today. We're going to start in verse 38. We're going to read through verse 48. So if you have your Bible, you can do that, or it'll be up on this humongous screen behind you. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same or do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, what are we talking about here? What's going on? I mean, an eye from an eye is from the Bible. It's from the Old Testament. What we've been learning is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, which is where we find this, in the law. And he's proclaiming the fullness of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, stop retaliating. Stop retaliating. As we've been studying for weeks here, if you've been with us, and if not, you can catch it all online. Jesus is emphasizing that which is in our hearts. He's not looking as much to the actions. He's saying, what is in your heart? What's driving those actions? And so as we read through this and we think about the scripture, we study it, we need to keep that understanding and that context in mind. Now here's a question for you. How many of you remember the color of a car that has cut you off? You remember, you can even remember the color. No one wants to raise their hand. I know you remember. I know you people. I've seen you on the road, okay? How many of you remember the color of the last car that let you into traffic? Yeah, we got one. We'll talk about lying next week. Um, <laughs> fact is, we don't like getting cut off. 
right? Most of us. We don't like getting cut off. We don't like uh, it when somebody says something rude to us. We don't like it when somebody talks behind our back. We don't like those things. We tend to get pretty worked up. And in each of these cases, we get upset because someone has deprived us of what we see as our rights. It was my right to be in this spot in the lane. When you came in from your lane and cut me out, you took my place in line. That was my right. I was going to get there one millisecond earlier. Think about that next time you get mad. But anyway, it was my right to be treated with respect. I can't believe that person said that to me or whatever, right? We have our rights. We have our rights. We want to retaliate when we feel that our rights have been violated. For most of us here in this room, most of the people that would be listening online, most of them probably live in the United States, are from the United States. And in the United States, I'll tell you what, we are all about our personal rights. We're all about it. I have the right to say what I want to say, to live where I want to live, to be free from illegal search and seizure, right? And on and on and on and on, right? We have these rights, and they're good rights, by the way. I'm not saying they're not good rights. They're good rights. They're good things. They're important. They're necessary for a free people to live in a free society. But they are right only because, only because they recognize the inherent value of people, of men and women, of human beings, as being made in the image and likeness of God. There is a difference between you and all these other things that God's created because he has made you valuable and he has made you special because he's made you in his image and likeness. And there is a difference, this is important when we look at this passage, there is a difference between protecting the rights of other people and retaliating when your own rights are violated. There's a difference between those things. Sometimes we, as Christ followers, sometimes we willingly suffer personal injustice and the violation of our personal rights, not because we are not valuable, but because the person who is harming us is also valuable. Sometimes we suffer injustice. Sometimes we will suffer our personal rights having to be given up. Not because we don't deserve them or we're not valuable, but because we care and love so much the person who's harming us that sometimes it's the best thing to do. Jesus suffered incredible injustice. Incredible injustice. Unimaginable injustice. Unimaginable except that it happened. He was murdered. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was scorned. He had a crown of thorns pressed down into his perfectly innocent head perfectly innocent. He was forced to carry his own cross and then he was nailed to it. And this was done to him by the people that he created. He could have rolled back the heavens. He could have rolled back the heavens and executed justice on every one of those people, on every one of us. He could have destroyed the universe and everything in it in a moment, in the blink of an eye. And he would have been exercising his rights. He would have been exercising his rights. He would have been just. He would have been doing justice. That would be justice at every moment. Then, now, all the way back to the third chapter of Genesis where Adam and Eve decided to sin, decided to rebel against God. At every moment since then, it would have been justice, right, and his rights to wipe us all out. The scripture tells us all things truly. And the scripture speaks plainly 
that the wages of sin is death. That's the payment you get for sin. But Jesus did not do that. He did not exercise his rights. He gave up his personal rights, not just as a man. Not just as a man who was being beaten and tortured and mocked and murdered and was innocent, but as God who created everything. He gave up his rights and he gave them up for you and for me. He gave them up for the people who were torturing him and beating him and mocking him and pressing the crown of thorns into his innocent head and murdering him. That's who he gave up his rights for. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, you have hope only because God loved you more than his own rights. You have hope only because God loved you more than his own rights. Romans 5, 5 through 11. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Not for the godly, for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Reconciliation, not retaliation. Reconciliation, not retaliation. Our call as Christ followers is to point people to the reconciliation that they can find in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our call. It is not a call to retaliate for every perceived right that we feel has been violated. That is not our call. I could go on. We go through. We could spend tons of time in historical context. What's he talking about? Slapped on the right cheek. What was going on at that time? What's he talking? What's a tunic? What's a cloak? I don't even know what that is, right? Uh, we could talk about that. We could talk about how Roman soldiers uh, could make anyone who they wanted to carry their stuff, their luggage, whatever, for a mile. And what, why is he talking about go a mile, go two? What is he talking about? We could talk about all that stuff, but that's actually not what's really important here. That's not the point. The point is that we are to be like Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the reconciler of you and me to God. We are to be like the one who reconciled us to God, and he did not do so through retaliation. If Jesus had used retaliation, we would all be lost. We would all be lost. We have our hope in God because God gave up his rights because God gave up his rights and loved us more than his rights. I'm pretty sure that God gave up his rights in Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, much more than any of you have or will ever be asked to. You couldn't. He has more. God has more rights than we do. You will never be asked to go even as far as he did. That's the kind of leader and the kind of God and the kind of king that he is. But do you think that we can be Jesus Christ's disciples and not be like him? That's the point of a follower. That's the point of a disciple is that we desire to be like 
Jesus, and Jesus did not retaliate. He reconciled. So that's the heart that we need to have. We need to have a heart that loves other people who are made in the image and likeness of God so much that our heart is not to punch back first, but that the first thought of our heart is the same thought that Jesus Christ had when he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. We should have our first thought when our personal rights are taken. Our first thought should be, Father, please give me a love for this person that makes me care more for them than for my own rights. Give me a love that keeps no record of wrongs. Give me a love like yours, Jesus, for my neighbor. Now, I'll take a step back. Let me tell you what I'm not saying, just so we're really clear. I am not saying that you should allow yourself to be abused ever. That's not good for you or for an abuser. If you're being abused, get out of that situation. Come to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Come to me. Come to one of our deacons, one of our elders, one of our leaders for protection. Because that's what we do. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. We're his church. For protection, love, for prayer that Jesus Christ might heal you. I'm not saying that you should allow yourself to be abused. That's not what Jesus is saying here. I'm not saying, also, that you should give everything that you have to everyone who asks you for something. That would conflict with some other very clear duties that you have in Scripture. For instance, you have an obligation to be wise with your money and your possessions. This is what 1 Timothy 5.8 says. If anyone does not take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay? I'm not telling you to enable abusers or oppressors. They, they should be resisted. Absolutely. I'm not telling you that you should impoverish yourself and your family. But I will tell you this on the money side. There's a difference between taking care of your family and being a good steward of your money and using wisdom and stewardship and so on. There's a difference between that and being a cheapskate and a miser. There's a difference between making sure that you're taking care of the needs of your family and those who you have been given uh, stewardship to take care of and ignoring the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ and the needs of those in your neighborhood, in your city, in the world. So how much should you give? Well, Scripture calls us to tithe a tenth of all our increase to him. That's the offering that we give here in worship service. That's what we do to God. And that's, we give that to his body, to the church. We do it sometimes as an act of worship here in the service. Some of us do it online. Scripture actually isn't clear about the online part. Um, pretty, pretty sure it's okay. If you don't believe that Scripture teaches that, I would love to have that conversation with you, and you can, you can fix my theology on that. Just make sure you don't have anything that's maybe a bias, you know, like maybe you want to keep your money. Anyway. <laughs> Beyond that, beyond your tithes and, and offerings that you would give to the church and, and to the body of Christ, how much should you give to your neighbors, to, your, to the world, to the town, to whatever, to the people who are in need? Well, um, first I would say ask God what he's calling you to do. For those of you with much, much is required, right? So ask God. Uh, but not unsurprisingly, I actually like what C.S. Lewis had to say on this subject. You may have heard of him. He says this, I do not believe one can settle how much, one, how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. 
In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Our hearts should desire to love and serve our sisters and brothers. If you are at work and you work at a place and you and the, and the fellow next to you, you make the same amount of money and you live in a house that costs the same amount, you drive the same kind of car, you go on the same vacations, you spend the same amount of money at movies, you do all the same things that, that this person does, you're able to do all those things financially that the person next to you who makes the same as you does and this person's not a believer and you are, there's something wrong. A Christ follower should look different than the world and that includes the way that you spend money. Right? So when Jesus is saying, give to those, don't, don't uh, fail to give to those who, who need and, and those who would ask to borrow you and so on, uh, I would say the safe rule here is, what is the heart of Christ towards that? I'm not saying impoverish yourself. You should take care of yourself. But you shouldn't be living as large as you possibly can on what you earn. Passage of Scripture sort of goes against the world a little bit. It should not be that there are people who are working hard, families that are working hard, who are suffering while others in the church live lavishly. Now, I'm talking about families who are working hard and trying to do what's right. And something happens. The car breaks down, somebody passes away in the family, whatever, and they have major financial needs. And others are living lavishly while we let the other person suffer. That's, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have that happen in the church. This passage of scripture is just, it's, it's very against the world because here's what the world says. Stand up for your rights. The retaliating world, the teach people a lesson world, the eye for an eye world. You want to do this right? Here's a simple way to process this in your heart. Be passionate for the rights of others, but be generous in giving up your own rights. Be passionate for the rights of others, but be generous in giving up your own rights. Fight for their rights, but give up your own rights. Be a disciple of Christ that points to reconciliation with him by your actions. Don't be a retaliator. Be the servant who forgives the person who owes him money because he knows how much he's been forgiven. Don't be the servant who's been forgiven a billion dollars and goes and chokes the guy who owes him a hundred dollars. Don't be that person. Christ's church has been used by God for more good in this world when we have given up our own personal rights and fought for the rights of others than we could ever achieve by retaliation. All retaliation is going to say to somebody, is that you're in the fight too. It's going to justify them. There's something very powerful about the one who gives up their rights because they trust God so much, as Jesus did for us. And God will continue to work through his church if we, if we start worrying less about maintaining our own rights and start looking to the good of other people. Like so many things in life, it's not always about us, is it? And you'll want to be sure and hear part two of this teaching for much more from Pastor David. Until then, 
Let me invite you to join us here at Axe Church this Sunday morning. We're real easy to find in Vancouver, Washington, and all the info you need is just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Hope to meet you this Sunday, and I hope you'll join us again next time for part two of An Eye for an Eye here on Contemplate.